Happy Mother's Day! This is a day at Grace where we celebrate the beautiful creation of all women. It is my honor and joy to be speaking today as the Director of Women's Ministry here at Grace. You know what is a wonderful thing? It's having a job that you love. But I didn't always feel this way. In fact, before John and I were married nearly 36 years ago, I remember telling him two things. One, don't ever expect me to play the piano for you at church. Two, I will never lead a women's ministry because I'm not going to be your typical pastor's wife, not me. Well, about four weeks into marriage, guess who was playing the keyboards for John's first youth group that he pastored? Yep. And the story continues. About 10 years ago, I started feeling a really strong prompting from God to start a women's ministry. Of course, I didn't share that prompting with John because, remember, I was not going to be your typical pastor's wife. Little did I know that when I followed Christ's leading into women's ministry, that there is nothing quite as fulfilling. I absolutely love working with women, and each of you inspire me and challenge me to be a better me. Thank you for this opportunity to share this morning. And speaking of opportunities, it isn't often that I find myself in a place where I can get even with my husband for all of his pulpit teasing. John, you just better watch out this morning. Let us pray. Lord, just take these simple words of mine and make them real to each of us. God, would you speak through me? And use them to glorify you and remind women that you are their Redeemer. In Christ's name, amen. Today I will be telling about a book of the Bible and a main character named Ruth, which is a story of great exchange of desperation to hope, vulnerability to security, and brokenness to wholeness. I am calling this message, My Redeemer Lives. What is a good definition of redeemer? It is someone who repays, recovers, saves, or exchanges something for something else. Let's begin this story some 3,000 years ago. Once upon a time, wait, are you wondering if I'm going to tell you some fable or fairy tale? No, this is actually a true story. So hold on. Let's read in Ruth chapter 1. There was a famine in Bethlehem. Now, it was a scary and dangerous time to live. But for most of us, we find a, have, we have a hard time understanding yet yeah, what it must be like to live with a famine. But we could be having our own famine, a feeling like we're in desperate need for something. So as a man named Elimelech and his wife Naomi, who name, whose name means pleasant, took their two sons to live in Moab, The Moabite people were the result of an incestuous relationship and worshipped a pagan god which led them to an absolute evil practices. As a side note, since Ruth was from Moab, which was a nation despised by Israel, the very fact that the Hebrew Bible contains a book bearing her name and her title is quite astounding. Now, Elimelech and Naomi were living there with their sons, And Naomi's husband died, and then both of their sons married Moabite women. One's name was Orpah, not Oprah, and the second name was named Ruth. They lived in Moab for 10 years. 
until both of Naomi's sons died. Verse 6 says that Naomi and her daughters-in-law prepared to leave the land of Moab because Naomi had heard that the Lord had paid attention to his people, the people of Israel, providing food for them. Don't overlook this. Did we just read that God provided the very thing that Naomi and her husband were searching for, but searched in the wrong place? Last week, John talked about the word repent. It means to turn around and go a different direction. So Naomi decides to turn back to Israel and releases her two daughter-in-laws to return to their own families. However, Ruth refused to leave Naomi's side. We can only imagine that once Ruth heard of the God of Israel, he became like water to her thirsty soul and food for her hunger. After all, Yahweh was a forgiving, loving, merciful, and just God, unlike the God of her people. One commentary I read stated that Ruth's decision to bind herself to Naomi was ultimately based on her new faith in the God of Naomi, Yahweh of Israel. She was even willing to accept the uncertainties of lifelong widowhood rather than give up her commitment to the one true God. So Ruth makes a huge declaration to Naomi, and it says, Do not persuade me to leave you or go back and not follow you, for wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you live, I will live. Your people will be my people, and your God will be my God. Now, that was a bold and courageous statement, but it was also a verbal declaration that she was binding herself to Yahweh, and nothing would thwart that decision. So the story continues with Naomi and Ruth trekking back to Israel. Upon Naomi's arrival, she's welcomed back, and folks are asking her, can this be Naomi after all of these years? She now makes her own large disclaimer. She said, now remember, her name means pleasant. She says, don't call me Naomi. Call me Mara, which means bitter, because God has turned his back on me. The Lord has brought me back empty, taking away my husbands and my sons. The hardship of this life had made her bitter. What an interesting irony. Naomi left because of severe lack of food, but she returned with not only this greater physical famine, but now she has famine of heart. She must have been asking herself, where was God? There was a law that was given in the Old Testament that told farmers to always leave behind some leftovers of crops in their fields during harvest time, which allowed those in need to be able to glean anything left over in the fields. So quite naturally, Ruth decided to glean in the fields for food in Bethlehem. And whose field does Ruth happen to choose? We shall see. While she was gleaning, the owner of the field took notice of her and inquired to his worker, Who was this woman? The worker replied, She is the young Moabite 
that came back with Naomi. Well, let's take a moment now to unpack this. Of all the fields to glean, she found herself in a field owned by a man named Boaz. He was a God-fearing man and of high character. He was also the grandson of a woman you may have heard about named Rahab. She was the Canaanite and a former prostitute. You can't help but to wonder if this gave him some greater empathy to this young Moabite woman who, although she was a woman of character, her identity was most likely tied to the reputation of her tainted, godless relatives. But most important, Boaz was a relative of Naomi's husband. It is very important to take note of this because there was a law given called a kinsman redeemer. With this law, God made sure that there were provisions made for widow's care. Deuteronomy 25 says that this law was the responsibility of close relatives of the deceased husband to fulfill the law by marrying his wife. The principle of this law is really to reflect who God is. Through our kinsman redeemer, God is providing us care, support, protection, provision to meet the basic needs and the desires of a widow. Well, back to the story. When Ruth returns from gleaning in the fields and Naomi sees her great bounty, Naomi pronounced a blessing on the one who took notice of Ruth. And then she asked Ruth, whose field was it that you gleaned in anyhow? When Ruth told her it was the field of Boaz, Naomi remembered that Boaz was a distant relative of her husband. And instantly, she saw the hand of God. Why? Because Naomi now has a realization that Boaz could possibly be her kinsman redeemer and one who could rescue them from poverty and scorn. Boaz was also a man of noble character, and he chose to do the right thing. Let's read chapter 4, verse 13. Here's the exciting part. Boaz took Ruth, and she became his wife. When he was intimate with her, the Lord enabled them to conceive, and she gave birth to a son and named him Obed. Then the woman of Naomi praised the Lord, and they said, He has not left you behind without a Redeemer. Indeed, your daughter-in-law who loves you is better than seven sons and has given birth to him. Naomi took the child, placed him in her lap, and took care of him. Who was this child? This wasn't just any son. Obed was the grandfather of King David, which makes Ruth, the Moabite woman who came from a wicked people, become the great-grandmother of David. And the most amazing thing is that Ruth is in the royal lineage of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Ruth showed incredible strength and fortitude in a time where the odds were absolutely stacked against her. But her faith in Yahweh sustained her. So I have a question for you. Where do you see yourself in this story? Maybe you're like Ruth, who came from a lineage 
of everything opposite of a holy God who left the weight in the shame of sin and brokenness in her past and in her people. Or maybe you're like Naomi and feel forgotten by God, feeling like you were having your own famine, lacking things that you feel are absolutely necessary to survive. And as a result, bitterness has taken hold of your heart. Well, the good news is that God sent Jesus, his son, to be our kinsman redeemer, who gave himself to rescue us. He's our kinsman because we are part of the family of God, and he's our redeemer because he has saved us from our sins. Well, it's been hitting me recently that we often measure God's goodness by how problem-free our lives are. Is God only good if he answers my prayers and in my timing? My tendency is to pull away from God when things go wrong and my prayers aren't answered. This past year and a half, I have wrestled with this a lot. There have been many losses. I lost my mother just under a year ago and she left for heaven in my arms. And of course, our sweet dog Butterscotch also passed away in my arms. And all of this happened in our front yard. But there were other hurts and disappointments that I could have never imagined. Believe me, there were days when it literally, I literally thought that my heart would break in two. My first reaction was similar to Naomi's, with my fist in the air, asking God, how could you allow such a thing to happen? Where are you, God? Didn't you hear all of those prayers that I prayed? The only thing that I could hold on to is to know that God is a redeemer of all things that he could and he would put back together the broken pieces of my heart. I acknowledge that my ways aren't his ways. My thoughts aren't his. His are so much higher. I have been brought to a place now where I understand that God is God and I am not. And if somehow he can redeem even the bad things the terrible things that I have faced and bring good, then I want to wave my white flag of surrender and believe and trust him. This all-familiar verse has held me together and brought me hope. It's Romans 8.28. He works all things together, all things together for the good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. But don't get me wrong. God doesn't cause the bad things. He didn't cause the famine in Naomi's day, nor the deaths of her husband and her son. But God saw, and his eyes never, ever left Naomi. God saw the big picture and redeemed a very desperate woman in a way she could have never imagined. But God saw Ruth, too, and he brought her into a relationship with him, the one true God who brought her out of darkness into his wonderful light. Think about all the details of the story of Ruth. 
in Ruth 2, 3, it says that Ruth happened to glean in the field that belonged to Boaz, a relative. Was this coincidental? Did Boaz just happen to notice Ruth? And was it coincidental that it was harvest time for barley, which supplied her an abundance of food for Ruth and Naomi? And was it happenstance that Boaz turned out to be Ruth's kinsman redeemer? Yes, you may have guessed it. God used Boaz as a foreshadowing of what Jesus had done for all people. God is always working behind the scenes for the good, which means he is working right now. God provided a kinsman redeemer situation that required obedience on both the parts of Ruth and Boaz to restore everything that appeared to be permanently broken and cause them to work together for the good. But here's the hard part. Ruth made a decision to align her will with God's and to choose to trust him, even when things looked bleak. And Boaz also had to make a decision to do the right thing by following God's ways. When we put our trust in him, we are working with our Redeemer, not against him. This past year, I couldn't see good coming forth. I had to learn to trust him. I had to choose to trust him, believing that he was working out a plan that I didn't understand. But I want you to know that recently I have begun to see his hand of mercy. I see glimmers of hope and see him making all things new. And I also see him doing immeasurably more than I could think or ask. I don't know how or when God will work out all the difficult things that you're struggling with, or even if it will be the sight of heaven. But I know that he stands behind his promise that he is working all things together for good. Regardless of your circumstances, these verses I'm about to read bring hope because God is always working to redeem. Psalm 34, 17 through 18 says, The righteous cry out, and the Lord hears them. He delivers them from all of their troubles. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. It is God's nature to redeem. Birds fly and fish swim, and God redeems. This is the beautiful story of Ruth. Ruth's story is an amazing one and has a fairy tale ending. She rode off into the sunset on her white horse with her prince charming, her kinsman redeemer. But what about us? How can we live in that same hope? What if I'm single and really want to be married? Or what if I'm married and yet still feel all alone? Or what if the hardships of this life have just made me feel forgotten and bitter? Ladies, our hope is never found or fulfilled by a man. We are made complete by just one, our Redeemer, Jesus. He is our true kinsman Redeemer, who loves us with a perfect, reckless, incomprehensible love. He came to pay back a debt that we owed. Remember the definition of a Redeemer? It is one who exchanges something for another, Well, Jesus, our Redeemer, takes our ashes and replaces them with beauty. He 
takes our brokenness and makes us whole. He promises to never leave us. He is perfectly faithful. He never stops redeeming the bitter areas. And he is our strength and our weakness. He is our peace in our storms. He's our hiding place when we are afraid. He's our cover, our protector, the strength of our heart, and he's our portion forever. Remember that fairy tale ending of Ruth and Boaz? Well, the Bible tells us something much more magnificent. In the book of Revelation, chapter 19, there is this announcement of a royal wedding of Christ to his people, where Jesus comes back for his bride, his church, who has prepared herself for him. He's coming for you, his beloved. And it says this, Now I saw the heaven open, and behold, a white horse, and he who sat on it was called Faithful and True. That is Jesus. How do I know that he causes all things to work together for the good? Because our Redeemer lives. Jesus is no longer in the grave. He's redeemed your life and my life over and over. I've seen it. It would be enough if he just saved us from our sins. But he's also redeeming. His redeeming love doesn't stop there. He's still at work in your life and in mine. And he's putting back the pieces of our lives. There is a beautiful Japanese art form called kintsugi that repairs broken pieces of pottery with adhesives of precious metals of gold, silver, and platinum. The breaking and repairing is part of the history of this piece of art, not something to hide. It takes months and months, but at the end result is something far more beautiful, having been broken. God chooses to restore us through his son in spite of our brokenness. This is the story of Ruth, and this is the story of our Redeemer. I ask you and myself today, will you make a decision to align your will with God's and to trust him to redeem your circumstances? Let us pray. Lord God, we are so grateful that we serve a redeeming God that takes our brokenness and makes us whole. And Lord, that works all things together for the good, for those that love him and are called according to his purpose. Lord, we lift our lives to you now, and we just commit to trusting you, Lord, even when things don't make sense, because you live and you are working things out, even though we can't see. Lord, I ask that you would bless every woman that's listening right now, Lord. Would you bring them hope? Would you bring them that unconditional love that comes from serving you? And we thank you in Christ's holy name. Amen. Ladies, wherever you find yourselves in today, may you know his great love for you like never before and know without a doubt that truly our Redeemer lives and causes all things to work together for our good.
Happy Mother's Day.